Ladies and gentlemen, it is Tuesday here on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast, and today's show is brought to you by Crossover Football, giving coaches the ability to break down game film in order to pull stats, searchable clips, tendency reports, and much more from both desktop and mobile solutions. To try one game for free, sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with a K dot com slash pylon, and you get one free breakdown if you sign up today, I've got Mark Schofield here with me. Uh, he was mobile yesterday. You could probably tell that we were getting him uh, in the middle of, I think you were barbecuing or something, weren't you? You were all out and about, I believe, when we were recording that. No, nah, I, I was uh, at my parents' place uh, watching some of the games. Um, let's see, around halftime of the 1 o'clock games, we went out to the nearby park, and my son Owen was... He's had this thing where he wants to play baseball now. So my dad was pitching to him, which was kind of crazy. He was bringing all sorts of flashbacks back. But I was a pretty good lefty, i got to say, was know, for a five-year-old. Was your dad still bringing the junk? I mean, was he uh, junk balling it up there? No, not with all. That was he, he saved that stuff for me, man. Back in my little league days. You got to start him early. It's all I'm saying. You got to, you know, you toughen him up with failure. That's that's what I've always believed. That's what made me the person I am today. Lots, I get, I lots get some of failure with my dad coaching, but we'll, we'll save those for a later date. Now, again, talking, you know, I, I was just talking about the failure that I had seen in my life, which has been numerous to say the least. But let's talk a little bit about some of the great things that we saw in football over the last week. Some of you who were with us from the beginning last year, uh, you may remember that previously when we were in season, we used to do what was called the Harry Stamper All-Go Offensive Play of the Week. Well, the good news is that the good folks at NASA have decided to sponsor us for yet another season of offensive excellence. And so with that in mind, our Tuesday show, we're going to be doing actually offense, defense, and special teams awards. We're not going to do defense this week, uh, to be honest, just because we haven't had a chance to look at all the defensive tape yet. We're very upfront here at Inside the Pylon. But Mark, you do have our first Harry Stamper all-go offensive play of the week for 2016. What are we doing, buddy? What do you think? Uh, does his name rhyme with Rarson Rents? It certainly does. I mean, was there any you know, doubt that when the kid comes out and throws two TD passes, even though it's, yeah, it's against <laughs> the Cleveland Browns, but was there any doubt in anybody's mind who has been with us since the beginning that I was going to have to talk about those two throws? And I've got a piece kind of dive it into his entire performance like the the good the bad the the stuff he can fix it's going to be coming out a little bit later this week but he did throw two touchdowns they are both great offensive plays so i think it's worth it to take a few moments to talk about them well look we'll, we'll give you a little six or seven minute victory lap here i know it's early but victory laps are well deserved after the uh the summer of the war of Wentz or the world war Wentz or whatever we're calling it these days Talk to me a little bit about uh, what you saw from him on these two touchdowns. I'm are we focusing on one in particular or both of them? I want to talk about both of them just briefly. Um, and the reason being is they kind of highlight some of the stuff that we saw in Wentz back at his North Dakota State days. I mean, the first one, it's their opening drive. It's a second and nine situation. Wentz is in the gun. They've got 11 personnel. They had gone kind of up-tempo on this drive. They've got 11 personnel on the field, but they've got empty backfield. They've got running back split out to the right. They've got the tight end as the number three receiver on a tray formation to the left. And Jordan Matthews is that middle receiver, that number two receiver in that slot, even though there's three receiver that side. Cleveland's got four, two, five nickel. They show two high safeties. They end up rotating, rotating it a bit at the snap to what looks to be cover one. 
And Wentz throws that slot fade route to Matthews, and he drops in a perfect throw. And what's what what I thought instantly seeing this play, and Ted Wynn, who had written about something that I'll talk about in a second, you know, had the same thought talking to him today about this game. That flashed me back and flashed Ted back to a throw that Wentz made to beat Northern Iowa. He had led that last-minute drive, and on the on the game-winning touchdown, he makes a fade route throw to a slot receiver, a freshman actually, running that slot fade against cover one, and it was an audible. You know, Ted broke that down. He t- you know, got in touch with uh, Wentz's offensive coordinator, and that was an audible that Wentz made. He saw them rotated to cover one pre-snap, like the matchup that he got with Shepard, I believe, was the freshman wide receiver. And he made the decision to audible in a big situation, throws a beautiful slot fade route, receiver runs a good route for him, and it's a touchdown. And that's exactly what happens here. Now, I don't know if it was an audible that he made at the line of scrimmage, but it's that same sort of look. He sees cover one. He likes the matchup he has with Matthews on that slot cornerback. Matthews runs a great route, gets good outside release, um, outside leverage on his release, and once drops in a perfect throw. So it was like one of those situations where you've been studying a guy, you wonder if he can you know, do some of the things in college and have that translate to the NFL. Well, we at least saw it on that play from once. What do you like most from Wentz on that play? Is it the recognition? Is it the ball placement that you see there? What, what stood out to you the most is kind of the most impressive aspect. I think the placement because, I mean, um, you know, not the easiest throw. You know, they're at the 19-yard line. Um, he's going to throw this to his left. The ball's in the middle field, so it's not like it has to travel a long distance, and it's not on the left hash mark, which sort of compresses the landing area, which makes it a tough throw as well. So it's kind of a, you know, it's not an overly uh, difficult throw in terms of the distance it has to carry, but the placement, you know, he leads him right to the left side of the end zone. Um, you've got to keep it in bounds, drops it over the defender's defensive back, you know, drops it over Matthews' shoulder, leads him outside, but keeps it in bounds. So it's a nice throw and that's going to kind of be something i talk about on the second touchdown pass the touchdown pass to Aguilar, which was you know more of a deep ball throw but that's an issue where once had some struggles with when he was you know with the bison well talk to me about that second uh touchdown what'd you see on that one well it, it was kind of a similar situation i mean they had just converted uh a, a fourth down on the previous snap um so they line up they go first and 10 um and, and what they do they kind of they, they run um, two people in the backfield with Wentz. He's got a running back. It's 11 personnel again. He's got a running back and Brent Selleck, the tight end, um, in the backfield with him. So he's got two guys, blockers, with him. Um, they've got three receivers and a sort of slot look to the right. One receiver split to the left. And Nelson Aguilar is the receiver split wide to the right. Ball's on the left hash mark. Aguilar's at the bottom of the number. So he's kind of got a wide split here. Uh, the ball's on the Cleveland uh, 35-yard line. Um, they've, Cleveland's got four, two, five. They show two high safeties here pre-snap and one safety that looks to be the free safety. He's a bit deeper. You know, he's maybe 14 yards off the line of scrimmage, whereas the, the strong safety is about 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. So, you know, there's an indication that there might be some rotation here. One safety staggered. Um, so they might be rotating it to a cover one look, but they're both too high right now. And with the cornerbacks in press, you might be thinking cover two man underneath, but they, Cleveland does rotate it at the snap. They rotate it to a cover one, cover cover three, actually, looks so the sort of that Seattle cover three with the outside corners and press. But what they do is the free safety, who's deeper, he comes down um, towards the weak side and sort of a cover three buzz, whereas the strong safety is a guy that actually rotates back. And what that means for this play is that 
strong safety that's shaded to Aguilar's side of the field. He's the guy that has to drop back and towards the middle. So he's rotating away from what Aguilar does, which is run a fade route. And that's what Wentz sees. So he knows he's going to have an advantage to that side of the field on this fade route, on this vertical route, if Aguilar can get separation. And that's exactly what happens. I mean, Aguilar does a great job at the line of scrimmage, shows a stutter step move against Joe Hayden, gets him to do a baseball turn, gets Hayden turned the wrong way. So he gets separation on this vertical route, and then Wentz just drops in a perfect throw. And, you know, what it highlights for me, having studied Wentz for so long, you know, this was a concern of his, you know, that people had about his deep ball accuracy. And here, at least on this one snap, this is everything you'd want, sort of that putting the ball where it needs to be in the deep vertical game. Um, again, reading what the defense does in the secondary. I mean, the way that they rotate it, he, he takes advantage of it perfectly. And Aguilar, for his, you know, to his credit, runs a great route, and it really starts for him at the line of scrimmage, beating Hayden, beating the press, and getting separation You know, just within two or three yards of the line of scrimmage, and then accelerating down the field to continue and maintain that separation from the defender. Now, Mark, you realize that never before in the history of the Harry Stamper Algo Offensive Play of the Week have we ever allowed two plays to actually be covered. This is a big deal. I, I want to go to the archives of that. I feel like we covered two plays. As a matter of fact, I know we did. Yeah, we I don't know. I just Johnny, made that up. I know, I know, I know. But we covered two Johnny Mansell throws. To Was it Travis Benjamin last year? Did we really cover two separate Johnny Mansell throws? In the same game, yeah. I don't know. if It might have predated. Actually, this might be a technicality that gets, you know, that preserves a win for you here, but it might have predated the official Harry Stamper all go offensive play of the game. Did Johnny Manziel have, even play last year? Like, this feels so distant just knowing where did. we are today. Doesn't, he that, did. doesn't that feel like it must have been like three or four years ago? I mean, look, the draft feels like it was three or four years. Well, ago, yeah, so. let's let's not, let's not go there. So, in any case, today's show, just as a reminder, is brought to you by Crossover Football. Crossover Football can help coaches to win more games and make better use of the film room with your team. Crossover breaks down and stats out your game film, giving you searchable clips, advanced ODK tendency reports, and a wealth of other great information that you can access from any PC or any mobile device. Your formations and your personnel packages can be labeled with your own terminology, and you can create custom highlight reels and exchange video with anyone on any platform, including all of your own players and all of your own coaches. To try one game for free, sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with a K dot com slash pylon. And you get one free breakdown when you sign up today. Now, Mark, we've got a new segment. A new segment. New segment. I mentioned that we're going to be doing a, uh, a special teams segment here. Okay, this is Spe- true. A special teams play of the week. And fortunately, I have been, you know, I've, I've done a lot of digging around trying to look for what I felt to be the appropriate sponsor, and I finally found it. And so what we are going to be doing, this is the President Whitmore Weekly Medal of Special Teams. It's brought to you by Case Crop Dusting. We fly high, we fly low, we dust everything. I like it. Not bad. I like it. That's not bad. But this does mean that at some point, probably the show before the Super Bowl, you're going to have to give us a little Independence Day. This is our Independence Day speech action. <laughs> you know that, right? I, I, I may mean, have to build into that, yeah. I'm, I'm going to yeah, have to warm up I, for that one, I think. I think so. All right. So the inaugural 
uh, what did you call it? The, the Special Teams Medal of Freedom? It is the uh, President Whitmore Weekly Medal of Special Teams, yes. Okay. So do we have an award winner for the uh, the kickoff week here? So for the kickoff week, and this is, uh, this is a player who, despite the fact that I think he came to his team by uh, questionable means, and I'm not sure if I fully approve uh, of the trade that sent him here, uh, Andy Lee for the Carolina Panthers is actually going to take home the first ever President Whitmore Weekly Medal of Special Teams. And the reason for this is that Andy this Lee... Is, this is a kind of a controversial pick. I mean, didn't we have a, at least one or two like big field goals to win games here? We did. You're going with a punter on, you know... I'm going with a punter who lost a game on yeah. a punt in, in, this, in the third quarter. Okay. Okay, you're going to need to really back this one up, my friend. So this is one of the best punts, not only that I have seen this year since we're only one weekend, this this is one of the best punts that you will ever see. There's there's maybe one or two of these a year that end up like this. We saw this one in the first week, okay? Let me set the stage for you a little bit. This is happening on the Thursday night game. It's Broncos versus Panthers. Panthers obviously jump out to a big lead, 17-7 after the first half. Second half starts, and what do we have? Panthers, five plays, punt away. Then all of a sudden, you've got Denver throwing an interception, so it looks like tide might be turning. But all of a sudden, what happens to the Panthers? They go three and out. So now you're sitting here and you're saying, okay, two first drives for Carolina, not really getting anywhere. And Carolina also is pinned pretty deep because of where the interception was thrown. They're pinned pretty deep. Uh, They are on their 11-yard line. And so this is a, a pretty critical moment in the game. And Andy Lee comes out, and you know he, he steps out there. He's punting from the right hash, which doesn't really make a huge difference. It's not like kickers where you know one side is more difficult or easier necessarily. Generally, you know, good punters are able to punt to both sides of the field from both hashes. And Lee lines up, and Lee uncorks. Like, I mean, this is just an absolutely beautiful punt. So he's punting from the right hash. The punt travels 76 yards in the air downfield. It hangs for 5.17 seconds, which is about three quarters of a second over the NFL average from last year. And it lands right on the right numbers. Now, to put in perspective how far this ball actually traveled, okay, remember that the punter typically starts either 14 or 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage. When he finally kicks the ball, he's about 10. So immediately we're up to about 86 yards. We're going to do a little bit of math break here, okay? We're going to take a quick Uh-oh. math break, okay? Those of you who remember A squared plus B squared equals C squared, that wonderful Pythagorean theorem from uh, whenever you took geometry, okay? Well, this ball traveled a little bit diagonally. It traveled a little bit outward. This ball actually traveled about 90 yards in the air, okay? Do you know any quarterbacks that can throw a ball 90 yards, Mark? Off the top of my head, I do not. Well, Andy Lee can- Wait, no, Uncle Rico. Well, no, Uncle Rico can throw the ball 90 miles, I believe. Over them there mountains, right? Over all the mountains. Andy Lee could probably punt over all the mountains in Denver the way he was hitting the ball. I'll tell you, he was just all jacked up, which actually caused a couple touchbacks earlier in the game. But this punt, to put in perspective, the expected landing distance of this punt, okay, based on what you see from the average NFL punter, was the Denver 41-yard line, okay? It actually landed at the Denver 13 so that I hope that puts in perspective just how big this kick was and only an 11-yard return. So you're talking about a 65-yard net average, 
Okay, not Ned Abbott. That is but, that 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 Ned's pretty impressive. You definitely. know, so it's it's not just that this thing was traveling this far, and it was the fact that a you had the distance, you had the hang, you had the placement, everything about this. Th- this is a punt that again you see this once or twice a year. To put in perspective, and I've gone through about two thirds of the games now from this week. Next closest kick that I found was from. Former Panthers uh, punter, actually, no, I'm sorry. It was actually from, oh, yeah, former Panthers punter Brad Nortman, who is uh, with the Jaguars now. 67-yarder, but only 4.8 on hang, and it was right down the middle. So, little different situation, you know. Didn't have the full, uh, full kind of all the factors that you had. And the other thing from Nortman, that 67 yards, it actually bounced at around 57 and so it, you know, caught some roll just because the uh, the Green Bay returner wasn't able to see the ball and actually had to let it go just because of the sun. So, you know, th- this punt that you saw here from Andy Lee, absolutely beautiful. I mean, again, you can go a year or two and you maybe catch one or two of these. So, you know, again, it's it's tough to give it to a punt in a losing game given some of the kicks that we had i mean obviously you know when we talk about some of the uh the kickers that had big days dan bailey had a couple big kicks out there um you know you you can talk about what he did and obviously he's up there on the list i think in contention but this punt from andy lee you know and and i was critical of this trade and i was critical of some of the other things lee did in this game this punt beautiful man it's it is absolutely beautiful now, when picking this play, did you give any consideration to the fact that it did take place in Denver? You're punting at altitude. That's got to play a little bit of a role, right? It did, but honestly, like you still just don't like everyone. You know, anyone who punts in Denver has a chance to do this. No one does. You know, like no one's uncorking 75 yard punts in Denver with any kind of regularity. And I can even, you know, I'll go and show you what Riley Dixon, the Denver punter, did. Uh, over the course of the day because it wasn't impressive we had a 44 yard kick we had a 45 yard kick a 42 yard kick you know it's 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 not every day that you see this and so you know certainly Lee kicking in Denver you know he probably gets a a few yard boost from this but it's not like this was a 55 yard punt that carried an extra 20 yards this would you know anywhere you're kicking this thing's going 68 70 yards at a minimum so yeah, that's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. So I, I have to say, okay, hats off to you. You're the the first special teams medal of honor. It's a good choice, my friend. We do what we can here. So that is all the time that we have for the day. We are hoping to have a defensive play for you next week. We had these two for you on this one. We will be back tomorrow. We're going to be talking a little bit of Steelers with Alex Kazora, actually, talking about the Steelers' Monday night game. That's going to be coming up tomorrow on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast with Chuck Zada and Mark Schofield. We are out until then. Make sure that if you are not subscribed to us, subscribe. Go on to iTunes, hit that subscribe button. You get 20 minutes of us every day. You can shut us off if you really don't like us. We hope that you don't. In any case, we will catch you tomorrow on the Quick Kicks Podcast. Podcast.